a warm welcome to the Renewal Conversations, part of the Renewal Nuggets. I'm Dr. Ioana Popa, and I love integrating science, psychology, spiritual care, and ancient Christian faith, the Orthodox Christian faith. And I have the pleasure today to introduce a wonderful psychologist, which I love and respect, Dr. Roxanne Lowe. And she's a clinical psychologist in Jacksonville, Florida. So she uses her extensive training in private practice, but also as a speaker. She brings expertise in a lot of topics, including mood disorder, anxiety disorder, marriage and parenting issues, eating disorder, body image awareness, women's health. And she presented to national groups and universities and churches, high schools all over the country. And by training, she has two masters and one doctorate in clinical psychology. And she worked through her graduate work and afterwards with empowering women, around body image awareness, body health, stress management, emotional health. She also worked as a clinical director in a hospital for treating children with and preventing eating disorders. And she opened her private practice in 2006. Now, she continues to dedicate much work in her ministry in community-wide presentations, trying to reach the public through news, presentations, social media, radio, educational talks, and blogs, and she really believes in prevention and mental um, health and, and preserving the mental health education. And I met her through Ocamper, which is the Orthodox Christian Association of Medicine, Psychology, and Religion, which is a national organization in America, United States. And I just really appreciate the wealth of information and training and life experience. It's just a delight wonderful and inspiring human being. And without further ado, I'm, we're going to dive right in and I'm going to invite Dr. Roxanne. Welcome, Dr. Roxanne Lowe. So exciting to be here. I know we met at Ocamper and we really hit the ground running and it was just such a beautiful connection. And I had a pleasure to be with your at your with ministry that you're doing and all the interviews and beautiful podcasts that you and live shows that you're doing and your book. So I'm really excited to have you today. And maybe we can just jump right in and uh, saying hello. And Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here with you, Joanna. <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to start, you know, I know you're a psychologist and you've done lots of trainings and you're in private practice, but as a giver, because this renewal conversation is especially geared for givers. What, and then people have a heart to help others. What has been your journey as a giver? And the land that you landed in this profession, you're helping people all day long. So what has been that like? Well, you know, um, my husband and I always like to say, you can't plan where you're going to end up. And, and the, purpose you're going to be living. You attempt it, but you know, the world kind of gathers around you and carves the way. Um, and as a psychologist, you know, being married to, to a priest, you know, you would think that we have it all together and we, we know and, and can tape, taper every response to the appropriate healthy amount, you know, um, when you're dealing with stress. Um, but about six years ago, I would say that, uh, we were in a, a good season of life as life tends to take us in these cycles. And um, we were hit on our um, 10 year wedding anniversary with a house fire um, that almost burned our home down. Um, we had to move out of the house for about 10 months. Thank God we were okay. 
but we had to leave our, our home for about a period of 10 months. And just as we were coming back, uh, this was a very stressful time. Our children were very small. They, had, they were not, uh, didn't do good with the transition. And just as we were coming back into the home, um, my husband took a missions trip and um, came back really filled with um, joy and um, peace. And it was just a beautiful, I would say, life-changing experience to leave the world we know and serve in another way. Um, in a deep way. And when he returned from that trip, this is a good season. We're living back in our home. He's come back from a renewing experience. And um, we were hit with his father. Um, we received a phone call on the road that his father had been taken to the emergency room. He had had a massive seizure or, or a stroke. They weren't sure. And they didn't think he was going to pull through. And, and they said, come now. You know, so we came um, by the grace of God, he pulled through it, but only to find out that the seizure was in fact um, induced by a, a, a very aggressive form of cancer that we didn't know he had, um, a very rare form, they called it. And so we, we began the journey of this sort of very stressful experience, and his dad was a very healthy person prior to this. Um, and so within a week of that uh, phone call and that experience, my dad was going in for routine hernia surgery. And my mom calls me uh, in the midst of the surgery and she said, you have, you know, come now. Your dad has just, we've, they've just couldn't complete the surgery. They discovered cancer and it is everywhere in his abdomen. There was a 14 pound uh, tumor and they're giving him four months to live. That this was the phone call, come wow. now. And so... Here we are, like, you know, divided, uh, divide and conquer. And this becomes hard because who do you lean on the most when you enter a stressful experience? Your family, your husband. So our families are compromised and we are both compromised. And we're raising small children and we both have careers. So, you know, pulling. And so th this was a time where I would say our emotions were pushed to capacity with what we could endure, but yet had to push through. So we were operating at the edge of our capacities. And, um, you know, that brought us to this journey of what we do now, which is really trying to help bring to others some of our shared experience of what we've learned was necessary um, during times like that. Um, because you can have all the education in the world, but when you're in the midst of an emotion, very strong emotions and the support system around you is crumbling, you have to find something else, um, you know, something deeper. And we were brought to our knees in such a way that we had to learn what real self-care looks like, what real renewal looks like in order to keep going. Because this was not an acute journey. It was a chronic one. It was a long, you know, we had a long journey ahead. We didn't know how long it was going to be. And so I think the rest of the world experiences these sorts of things. You know, we're not alone in that. Everybody has these seasons of life, these trials of life, and we have to figure out how to come up for air. Um, otherwise, you know, we just keep sinking. Um, and so this was our journey. This is how we as givers sort of learn to kind of help other people who are giving to figure out what do we need in order to continue to give. Mm -hmm. Because in that time, we still had to minister, we still had to see patients, we still had to, you know, minister to our families, to each other at different times, and it was not an easy feat. But that was the journey, I think, that I would say has had the biggest impact on where we are now, and the experiences that we operate out of um, and teach from.
Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry you had to go through this and, and your dad. Yeah. So, so both of our fathers have since passed, um, from this, from their cancers and, um, Lesson. you know, but the, our, the grace of God and our faith really was an immense support. We could see his hand in all of it, um, as we walked through it. So, you know, thank God we had that support system. Um, but it was, it was still no easy feat because we are human beings and we have emotion. And so it was really a tough time. Yeah. Yeah. Blessed memories. And thank you. Um, it sounds like out of that, all that pain and suffering in a certain sense, there's so much growth that happened in a certain way to, I really love what you said about renewal becoming real. It's one thing to learn in the books. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're going to do this and in trainings and our professional experience. And another thing to go through our own um, difficulties. I know I burned out twice and it did become, it does become real. The first time I didn't even notice because it was Mm -hmm. more of a, that chronic kind of stress versus the Mm -hmm. second time was more intense, um, more invested, but I so appreciate what you said. It does have to become real. And you mentioned that this is what propelled you in the ministry you're doing now. Do you want to share a bit of what are you doing? I know a bit about, so it'll be so exciting for our audience to read. Yeah. Well, so I, I believe we're all equipped with, you know, sets of gifts and a purpose, a deeper meaning things that we were equipped to do in this life. Right. But dark seasons in our life, tough seasons, they throw us off from being able to live that life. Um, And so our goal really is to sort of help equip people with how do you deal with these major impactful variables in your life when life isn't in a perfect season? Um, how do you learn to care for yourself in such a way that you can continue to work toward your purpose and have a deeper meaning in this world and not let it basically force you to fall apart? Of course, we had many moments of falling apart, but we don't want to stay falling apart. Yes. Um, and so that's a lot of what we do now is sort of living with um, intention, a lot of intentionality, a lot of mindfulness, um, you know, physical exercise for us during that time used to be um, a good idea. It was something that we enjoyed doing. After this season, it became prescriptive, you know, a necessary foundation for the day to occur and unfold in a way that we could manage. Mm-hmm. Um, it became a stabilizing force for us that we still to this day are very protective over, um, our ability to, to move, um, to release that adrenaline, that buildup. Um, and so exercise was a foundational force, uh, eating well, you know, learning how to eat amidst the storms was also, um, something that became prescriptive. We became, you know, very, very focused on what we eat and making sure that we are eating. And, you know, it's amazing how little things like that, that if we don't protect, and they're just good ideas. Um, our body starts to get away from us before our minds can slow it down. Mm-hmm. And the body is moving faster and our minds and souls are, you know, saying, wait a minute. Um, and so those things became, I would say, foundational. Um, mm-hmm. And there are many, I would say many, many behaviors and habits that we sort of developed over the last six years um, learning to even empty and put words on what we feel regularly became yes. something we, you know, protected time for, because I'm, I'm probably more of an internal processor and my husband is more of an external processor. 
But in those times, you know, there were moments when no one was processing. It's just feeling. The feelings were so heavy, we couldn't even articulate. Mm. Um, and yeah. that emotional connection starts to disintegrate because we're not living in each other's inner worlds. We're not even able to articulate and meet ourselves in that place ourselves. So um, learning to sort of unpack those feelings and not be so afraid of them yes. um, was something that. we had to learn to do um, and still do often, um, you know, we sort of protect this time once a week um, to unpack everything uh, mm -hmm. from the week and whatever we're dealing with. And it helps to bring that emotional connection to each other um, through that unpacking and through that awareness. So, yeah, I mean, I think before all of this, it's a good idea to unpack and be emotionally connected with your spouse, but it's different when, you know, you really experience a disconnection because you're living with yeah. such heaviness. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes you feel so alone if you're not able to articulate and put words on um, what's really going on beneath the surface. Yes, yes. And we're such synchronicity because that's how what I teach as well. And I discovered through my own experience as well, taking care of the body, taking care of the emotions of the heart, taking care of the mind of the thoughts in a regular basis, because otherwise the mind can go in circles all the time and of our soul, of our spirit. And as you mentioned this, this is so cool. And I love it. Any any tips right now? You mentioned the body. Uh, the eating healthy and the exercise and just make it a prescriptive. It has to be done every week. Mm -hmm. um, you mm -hmm. mentioned about the emotions. Do you want to share a few tips about what that unpacking might look like with a spouse or a family member, or even if someone is single, right? And they might have friends or what that unpacking might look like. Um, a quick, some quick tips. You know, I, I would say that the notion of becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable mm. would be a tip I would encourage, you know, so often we are afraid of our inner world. We're looking for, uh, to escape it. We're not looking to meet it, to introduce ourselves and to share what's happening. But I learned that just because you don't acknowledge feelings doesn't mean <laughs> they go away. No, yeah, they right. never go away. Yes. They, yeah, are, affect us more deeply, more covertly. And so it, I, I learned that it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to feel broken. It's okay to meet myself in a space where I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know if I'm going to have the strength to cope. Those are very real, you know, feelings that we meet in our vulnerability. And it's okay to not know. It's okay. Wow. You know, we find that strength. Um, we, we do. We're somehow equipped as human beings yes. in an amazing way to do things we never thought we could do. Yes. Um, so, you know, I would say one of the things I found helpful was solitude. Um, so mm -hmm. unpacking my uh, feelings with my husband was something that would often follow five days a week of solitude on walks. I would go out and walk in nature and unpack um, my mm. journey, my feelings for an hour. Um, and it's amazing how movement helped me move those feelings to the surface. I love that, that kind of energy to make it. That energy, yeah. And being outside, it was grounding as I was experiencing yes. it. You know, many people might say, oh, you know, sit and just try to empty. That was hard for me because yes, absolutely. The, the body was, you know, reactive. And so I found that walking in solitude 
you know, regularly helped me unpack so that when I was able to sit down, you know, with him and unpack and share that inner world, I had met it already. And that is still something I do uh, to this day uh, to unpack what I feel. Mm-hmm. I love that. And you bring so many nuggets here. One of them, uh, which I, I, I experienced the same with myself and other people that I guide that it has to be individualized just because for some people it works to unpack and sit down and go in internally and, and, and process that doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone. So okay. having that wisdom and trust in yourself, like, no, for me, it's the walking that moves. And I found the same, the walking mm-hmm. helps me. And the other thing that I love about you, what you said, which is such a beautiful nugget, if you're listening and you're an introvert, I love how you blended it. I mean, you just named that. I'm internal processor. My husband is external processor. So part of your journey is you'll do the internal processing, but make it a point to then go and share, which I yes. love that. Huge for introverts. If there are any yes. introverts listening, Absolutely. make your inner world available. Yes. Because if you don't, no one can meet you in that space and support you yes. in yes. it. Um, yeah. And it's okay that it feels overwhelming to do so. Like you'll walk through it. It's okay. But yes. you won't feel so alone in that space when you're able to do that. Yes. And having the balance that it's okay also not to be put on the spot and having to process right away, but actually have time to um, to process on your own, but then go and share. This is what you're describing with my husband, Sebastian. We're like in mirror. He's the internal yeah. process. And I'm the external processor. And I have to remember <laughs> that because I'm like, you didn't tell me this a few days ago. I was like, I know I just had to think about it. And it just made so much sense. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and you really, you, you come to such insights on your own. Yes. And it's like, wow, I didn't realize I was thinking, oh, this is all coming together. Now I can, you yes. know, put some words on it in a way that makes sense instead of just dumping exactly. words that don't make sense or and don't even necessarily articulate what I'm truly feeling. Um, and another thing that I found super, super helpful, you know, so there's this sort of physical self-care that was prescriptive. There was the emotional self-care that was necessary. But then there's this pursuit of knowledge, the intellectual self-care that's also really important that I was very reliant on. I needed another source of wisdom outside my own head. I love that. Um, yeah, because in our own minds, when we are left with our thoughts, they are not always leading us well. Yeah. And so I really needed wisdom and knowledge to be poured in. And so again, in movement, I would seek wisdom. And so often if I was not on a walk and I would say, you know, uh, on a spin bike or elliptical, I would read. For me, I would read uh, my Bible app, which is the Bible in one year. Um, and I would read uh, two entries, which are like 20 minutes each. Nice. So it was like a 45 minute pouring in of this external wisdom that I needed to yes. reset. And because I was moving, my mind, my heart, my soul was more open to receiving mm-hmm. um amidst whatever I was experiencing, this sort of new knowledge, new way to look at it, new comfort, new strength, new new frame of reference that I didn't even know that I needed until I read it. And I thought, wow. And that also helped me sort of further deepen what I was experiencing, what my fears were, what was going on for me. And so I would always try to read something while I was moving on a machine of some sort 
to kind of like take in what I needed. So not just like to understand what I'm feeling, but to also bring in outside wisdom that I, I, I relied upon. Um, and so I will say it took me about a year and a half to get through reading mm. the Bible in one year, but uh, it's supposed to take a year. <laughs> but, but, you know. Well, a year and a half is still very, very great timing. <laughs> but how powerful for me that external wisdom was. And I still to this day will try to read something that I think I might need to know or understand in the pursuit of knowledge that helps me reframe whatever it is I'm experiencing. So I think that protecting time for personal growth and attaining more wisdom mm -hmm. is huge. I mean, and I don't know that we protect enough time for that in general in the busyness, fast paced world we live in. You know, we, we, we're getting like books in, broken down into bullet point five minute summaries now. There's websites for this because we don't have the time to read. But however you pursue that knowledge and that wisdom, I think it's also important um, to be able to continue to grow and, um, and pursue that deeper purpose and not be derailed by, by life. Yeah, I love what you shared. And uh, you and I were sharing the same faith, Orthodox Christianity. And I love because in uh, Orthodox theology, there's this um, thinking about the nature of God and whatnot. There's this idea that the thoughts of God are outside of our consciousness, that God is everywhere filling all things, but it's not a focus. It's not like a a person, not, not a person, is not a object of our intellectual pursuit, but it's kind of everywhere. But the thoughts are coming outside of our consciousness, right? This is where we might get the light bulb moment or the insights, but also what you're sharing is through community, which is so important for Christianity, that it will come through other people's wisdom outside of our consciousness, yeah. and we yeah. can renew on the mind level, and it's so beautiful, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And how I love how also you integrate. Like you might mm -hmm. exercise, you know, that's helping for your body. It's helping for the mind. And in the same time, you're nurturing your, your mind and our soul, I would imagine. Right? A hundred percent. Like I feel they go in tandem. Like, yes. a, a, like a synergy occurs when you receive wisdom while you're open to receiving it or you're unpacking mm -hmm. because the adrenaline is down a little bit it's a little easier to access or meet those emotions in that place you yeah. know and and just as sort of a nugget of like practical habit building i would say mm -hmm. if there's already one habit you do really well and protect time for it becomes easy to add another one into yes. that yeah right because people tell me all the time well, i don't have time to to read this and exercise and so like, let's combine it, you know, um, yes. put something audibly on if you need to, or, you know, it's just makes it a little bit easier and, and helps us be more successful at integrating some new self-care habits um, in a time and space that we've already protected for one type of, of self-care habit. Because we only that. have so much time in the day. Right, exactly. And it also helps with integration of this body, mind, heart, and soul, right? In a yes. Yes, yeah. A hundred percent, yes. Do, would you like to share more about how your faith and, I mean, I know your faith is very important to you. I mean, your husband is a priest in the orthodox church and you are you together you have a mission you have a life show and you talk about that share more about how you know you know how sometimes we grow up in a faith but then at some point we it becomes our own we really start to it's not just because this person said or that which is great but we internalize it what was that for you and how did faith helped you in this process and throughout your life 
I, mean, I would say the biggest transition in that faith journey was um, learning that I can't depend so much on myself for everything. Mm. Um, and, you know, this is something you hear a lot as a, as a, as a faithful of any sort of believer that, you know, you should rely on your faith and rely on God. But then, you know, we kind of coach from the sidelines and do it our own way. And there's a point at which you learn, um, even as a doer, that we need help. Mm -hmm. um, we need help from from God. We need help from the people he's put in our lives. We need a sense of community, a sense of belonging. We learn that we have a capacity. Um, and when it is reached, we fall to our knees and we need to ask for that help. Um, and that's something that I would say this journey taught me was how to rely on something outside of myself, which I wouldn't say I was very good at before this journey. Um, I relied more on myself to say, you know, and we can do that as long as we're not overextending our capacity. We tend to do things our own way, rely on ourselves. And I learned that you have to rely on something outside of yourself um, to give you strength, to give you hope, to give you comfort, um, to give you encouragement, uh, to know that you're not alone. And, and so that became a very real um, something that was experienced, no longer a concept um, to know that I wasn't alone and I, I had somebody who was fighting this with me. Um, mm. And I could trust in that um, protection and in that support and I could see it all the way through. And there were so many dark moments where I may not have been able to feel God's presence, but as I look back, I now see in so many places, and we write about this in our book, where his hand was in all of it. Um, and I think in any trial, all God yearns is for us to be able to lean on him and to recognize we can't do things by ourselves. We weren't meant to do things by ourselves. Yeah. We're supposed to learn how to be dependent. Um, and even for those who are not faithful, I mean, learning to depend on, on people and community. Yes. Yeah. Um, this is something that our world, you know, there's a lot of lonely people in the world right now that we've become very isolated. We try to do things on our own. We trust our own thoughts. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, that's a dangerous place to live when you're not receiving anything from the outside in terms of support. Right, right. That's right. Yeah. In our mind, we can just go in our stories, circular ways, and we might not, they might not be actually the reality or the truth. Um, or the truth. Anytime right. to say, we have so many stories and there may be all conditionings or, you know, I'm not a worthy, I'm no one likes me and whatnot. And those stories, it might not be real actually, but they come is understandable. People experience them because of their past or past experience and past experiences. But mm -hmm. yeah, I really love that. And I wondered, um, as you were talking, um, you know, it brought this idea, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Lisa Miller, she's a researcher, and she's been doing research for 20 years in spirituality. And I just oh, wow. was a psychologist, and she wrote a book, which escapes you at the moment, but I'll make sure I'll put it in the link um, in the YouTube. So she talks about, uh, she did research on spirituality. And interestingly, People who, first of all, discover that people who are spiritual, whatever practice, it provides a buffer against depression. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. also, 
it's very protective. It was so clear. Like it was not mm-hmm. like just a little bit of a margin. It was extremely mm-hmm. protective for depression. But also she flipped it and noticed through the data that people that have experienced depression or stressful times, actually they did rely and did discover spirituality. Almost like a yes. He's mm. like talking about how we, we know we need to trust God or ultimate reality, however we might call it. But the rea- but when it, things happen and we actually have mm. to rely on it and we learn to mm-hmm. trust it, how much more amazing that capacity increases. So it just reminds me of that. I don't know if that resonates at all with what you were sharing. 100%. Yes, we, we know it in intellectually, but we experience it when we are in our brokenness and, and when we are brought to our knees. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, it's a, just a profound thing. I don't know that it's something you can teach. It's what it's, it's experienced um, yes, yes. knowledge. It's not taught knowledge, right? Um, and right. this is something I'd heard my whole life, but I'm like, oh, this is what, <laughs> this is what it means. I understand. Yes. You know, even breathing, uh, learning to breathe was something that, you know, you're taught this in our professions, deep breathing, meditation, you know, relaxation, you're taught all of it. And I never benefited from any of it until the last six years It's a different um, experience of having learned how to take what I call a reset breath. um, To be able to calm the entire body to even like tune into where I hold stress always in my uh, upper back and in my jaws, all the sort of clenched intense uh, mm-hmm. muscles. I didn't know that I, you know, felt or was experiencing until I tuned in. And so maybe five or six times throughout the day. Um, now I'll do a reset breath and tune in uh, to my body, take a deep breath for in and then a nice slow steady exhale as I drop my shoulders release any tension and I just kind of pause in a relaxed state for a couple minutes Um, and I do that you know all throughout the day I could do it while I'm driving or while I'm sitting in my desk I'll just sit back on my chair and I find it resets me for the next couple of hours and I didn't even realize that I was holding tension or I wasn't breathing amazing you know we, we hold our breath you know when we're anxious and yes, yes. we don't even know it. I can stop breathing when I'm listening to somebody. If they're sharing something um, that I'm empathetically connected to, I can actually stop breathing as I'm listening. I'm holding my breath as I'm listening. And when I'm tuned in, I can feel that. And I have to yes. release it and take that breath from deep in my abdomen. And that is something I learned in the last six years. I had heard about it and I had done it, but I never <laughs> experienced its renewing effect until the last six years it became relevant and i'm curious you shared the steps would you be willing to just also experientially just do it and i don't want to put you on the spot but absolutely do it right here with you yeah so if you're listening you got the steps but you can just if you're driving obviously or operating machinery just pause and come back Mm -hmm. (laughs) but if yeah so i would literally sit back in my chair drop my shoulders and take a deep breath from deep in my abdomen. And I usually put my hand on my lower abdomen so that I can feel the the breath descending from deep within my abdomen. So I count in for three counts. And I exhale it out for four counts. And as I exhale, I'm releasing 
whatever tension still remains through my shoulders and in my jaws, in my face. Mm -hmm. And I usually would pause here and just breathe normally um, for the next couple of minutes. And it's then I return. State. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's just a mini, what I call a mini break um, throughout the day. And mm -hmm. I've never done it. And this is interesting. I'm pausing in insight. I've never done it where I didn't have tension to release. I've never had an experience where I connected to do a reset breath and there was not tension here, mm. here, and my breathing didn't need a reset. Mm -hmm. Very much needed. So it's all, all the time. And this is a, this is just a regular day. This isn't even in the midst of um, a dark season. So imagine how much more um, necessary, prescriptive, and frequent that would have been during uh the dark seasons yeah. and so i i just recommend this for everyone mm. um and to do it until you feel the renewal um of it in the beginning it's just a a practice right but eventually you start yeah it, it's just something you try and a lot of people say well, i don't feel a difference but you know you will you the more it. you practice it, you keep it's doing it the more you'll experience it I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's with any small, that's kind of a, a general um, suggestion, right? That with any small changes, people might not notice a, a, an impact right away. It's good to keep going, make it part of the routine. You know, it takes three to four weeks. You might not even notice anything, but at least you're building the routine. And then oh, absolutely. once it's becoming second habit, the benefits usually do come. So, yeah, thank you. For absolutely. Absolutely. And how about on a spiritual level, on a soul level? What are some of your practices? I know they're probably overlapping with whatever you shared before, but I'm curious what your thoughts are and what you might suggest and you do. I mean, from a spiritual place, um, the unpacking always turns to prayer for me. Um, when I unpack, that's the very things that become my, my prayers. Like starts with me, goes to him, ends with him, comes back to me. Um, so I see it as a, like a, a back and forth movement. Um, and wherever my mind takes me as I'm unpacking, I feel it is a place I should be and something that needs to be brought to him. So I don't try to Okay. you know, contain or lead. I just sort of let my mind go. And I have a lot of people who tell me, oh, well, I feel so distracted when I pray. I'm like, well, that's maybe good because maybe where your mind is wandering is a place you need to be. Um, yes, and you need I to love open. that. It's mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So the yeah. sense of the prayer is not just, I'm going to say some words, here are the words and I'm going to read or, or say out loud or memorize, but there's any encounter I'm hearing you say, any encounter is a prayer, right? You're, you're, the mind might be distracted, you're with God, you have emotions, you're with God and allow that back and forth. Yeah, it's, it's a constant, yeah, I would say a constant. Anytime I'm unpacking, I'm trying to uh, turn that into prayer because it's, mm -hmm. it's like a natural, I don't really it just becomes that, right? Because I, I'm meeting um, an inner world that needs something, you know? Um, I might meet it with some of my psychology. I might try to reframe, you know, how I'm seeing a certain situation. I might try to examine it from psychological perspective sometimes, and, I, and that's helpful. But 
no matter what, it's always coming back uh, to what I'm not able to do on my own. I'm going to need his help for, um, and I want that army, you know, fighting yes. with me. And so, um, I would say that that's my spiritual life is is usually met with all of the unpacking, um, mm-hmm. and then the wisdom that I will read about will usually be biblical. I mean, I read a lot of other things, you know, you know, selfishly, I like psychology. I love to read about psychology. <laughs> I can't get enough of psychology. I'm in your club, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but but I'm I'm usually always reading something um, from a place of of godly wisdom as well because I think we need that. We need those constant resets, no matter how much we think we know. Um, I'm always reminded every decade how much more I needed to learn every decade. I look back and say, wow, I knew nothing that decade, you know, wow, that decade before was even worse. (laughs) So I'm always humbled by there's so much more we need to know and understand and be willing to pursue. Um, and so, yeah, that my spiritual journey is about trying to learn and become more of what I think I'm called called to be and and that's a that's a journey that's such a beautiful journey and i love what you share because many times it feels for people oh my goodness um we're just gonna do growth and then we're arrived and then we're done with growth and that doesn't happen it's a kind (laughs) growth right and i that's my experience as well like just because we're professionals that doesn't mean we're not going to keep growing and be humbled and and learn and make mistakes and just grow out of this it's just a, it's beautiful um, and that's yes. encouragement because sometimes it's very easy to compare for people to compare with each other like i'm hearing this beautiful wisdom and i'm not there yet and but they are and they start feeling really people start feeling really bad about that and it's 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 a constant growth, um, especially from where I'm sitting. That's kind of my observation. And uh, it's very refreshing to hear your your experiencing the same way. Oh, sure. Well, we, I think we don't really know what we need to know until we need to know it. You know? <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Um, so this is true that, you know, um, this type of journey, trying to tell my younger self 10 years ago, hey, prepare for this because you're going to. I don't know that I would have been able to um, mm-hmm. pursue it and learn it as I have, right? So we don't Absolutely. know what we need to know until we need to know it. Mm-hmm. So I would say that you know, self-compassion, I think, is is necessary in our society. We have a lot of, I'm not good enough. And we have a lot of critical voices and working with patients, I hear this all the time, condemning voices, critical voices. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, that comes from, you know, our upbringing, it can also come from depression. It comes from a lot of different places, from over unrealistic standards. But I think if we can replace it with some self-compassion for, I will reach the stage of maturity I need when I need to mature, you know, well, and um, yeah. then, then I'll do better, you know, I'll do better and move after that. Um, but I'm going to gonna sort pause of because I would love to you to say it again. I'm going to reach that level of maturity when... When I need to, I to need mature, to. right? Yeah. And that's true if you're 20, 30, 50, 70, 80, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, There's, yeah. So we have to have a little bit of compassion for we're all at different stages in our life's journey. Um, And we don't know what's coming ahead. I don't know what new learning I'm going to need, you know, five years from now. Um, We just do our best with what we know. 
uh, at the current time. And when we need more, we seek more. Um, and this is the journey of life. I mean, this is this is how we grow. That's why we call the book Renewing You instead yes. of Renewed You, right? Um, because it's it's always up until I'll never forget my um, my dad. I asked him before he died. I said, "Do you have any nuggets of wisdom that you would want to share?" And he said. Life is like a mountain, you know, you just keep climbing until you reach the top, but you probably won't reach it until you take your last breath. You just keep climbing. Mm. And I thought that that's so true. I mean, there, there is no like you just keep going um, and it's a continued pursuit. Um, sometimes it's treacherous and sometimes it's easy. You know, we reach that easier place, you know, on the mountain, but it's, it's a journey up. As soon as we stop going up permanently, we stopped living, right? <laughs> yeah. And in a certain sense, we're always going, even always. when it feels like we're not. Yeah, this is a beautiful metaphor. I love uh, and Thank you for sharing your dad's wisdom. <laughs> this is so beautiful. Yeah. Say yeah. more about your book. As we're wrapping up, I would love to, for, for audience to really hear all the projects you're doing, the ministry, the book, the uh, live show that you have and maybe there's more projects maybe there's another book coming up I'm curious yeah yeah so we we love writing um we're always working on more projects and hopefully that will come to fruition in the next several years we'll have more um produced but on our show we have a show live with the lows and um you know we deal with very I would say practical issues of daily life struggles that everybody has and um we try to share some practical tips on how to cope with it so similar to our book our book sort of talks about um how we can become sort of the the best version of ourselves and stay on our path of purpose and meaning while dealing with the difficulty in our marriage, while dealing with, um, you know, somebody who offends us, upsets us, and we maybe don't want to forgive them, or, you know, dealing with parenting issues, um, dealing with vices and bad habits that we have developed over time, living in the world that we live in. How do we cope with that? Um, and so each chapter kind of addresses what I would say is a different issue that we've seen amidst everyone's lives that we all struggle with us included and we share a lot of our personal stories um we share work with um people that my husband and i have both worked with um and so each chapter is sort of devoted to a different area of our life um, okay. that we struggle with and this is the the show's purpose as well um sort of mm -hmm. how to live with intention um stay on the path to purpose and that can be found on ancient faith uh, yes. live with the lows and also on our facebook page um, we do a daily inspirational message that we send mm -hmm. out every morning mm -hmm. uh, monday through friday so all they have to do is uh, they could go to either our website at the lows.com and that's an yes. interesting spelling it's l-o-u-h-s dot com yes, and we'll put that um, in the chat we'll put that underneath the video that would be great that would be great all they have to hit is subscribe and they'll get a little bit of dose of encouragement great. usually from something i've seen during the week that either i struggled with or mm -hmm. um, a patient of mine is struggling with because if we are struggling I look at it as it's something everyone's struggling with so exactly right so and the book is renewing you renewing you it's called it's actually renewing you a priest a psychologist and a plan right <laughs> and we'll put the link is that link on a website right we'll put the link also on a YouTube to what yeah. the book yeah awesome that would be great thank you any other projects upcoming? Anything, anything cooking? 
or baking? We're definitely working. I would say we're definitely working on several manuscripts. Um, we do a lot of uh, speaking engagements in different places. So the ones that we get invited the most for, we're, we we believe should turn into book material. So those are things that right. we're, you know, in the background trying to prepare and work toward. Um, but everything takes time. And, um, yeah. you know, I told you before the the show that, someone once told me if she could give me any gift it would be the gift of time and i i really resonated with that because there's so many things we want to do and and we just need time um so it's something to protect something to enjoy um but something i think we always yearn for more of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, wonderful yeah thank you for sharing and any other nuggets of wisdom for our listeners uh yeah i would say in listening to this show um you know, don't be hard on yourself about what you're not yet doing. Um, to really uh, have compassion and take it one step at a time. Every every step we take toward better caring for ourselves is is really instrumental in the bigger picture of our lives. You know that we need down the road. So if it's, you know, and start small. You know, if you're if you're someone who's never walked before, you know, try just a ten minute you know, stroll around the block, you know, we're not trying for an hour, five days a week, we just, you know, start small with something that feels doable. Yes. Um, and, you know, really to watch that inner critic that it doesn't become too critical about what I'm not doing, you know, the New Year's resolution time is always a tricky moment, because we look at our life, and we come up with all these things that are wrong, and we set out to do all of these huge changes. Um, and I think we just have to start very small you know, mm -hmm. taking very small steps um, that we fold into our calendar so that they actually happen and that we're kind to ourselves when they don't. We just kind of get curious about why and we try to learn from that and, and sort of move forward. So, you know, just small steps towards better caring for ourselves in each realm of our life that stresses us out. And I would say if you've never, you know, unpacked feelings, you know, try to sit down and just empty stream of consciousness. What do you find? You know, I tell people, you know, you may want to just empty it into the notes section of your phone as you're talking it out, you know, just empty stream of consciousness. What is there? You know, what do I feel today? How am I feeling in this moment? Mm -hmm. What do I need right now? You know, just a few prompts to kind of connect to that inner world and see what you learn. When we read back over to the things that we are thinking, we often see them differently than when they were in our head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they become something we can manage, um, something that we could maybe problem solve, something we need to let go of because we can't. Um, but either way, it makes it tangible. But yes. we just start small um, and don't put too much pressure on ourselves to to revamp it all at the same time. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I love it. This is exactly what I it resonates with me as well. Like take small steps do so small that you cannot fail that's a kind of a phrase yeah yes. back to it um yeah. and i just love what you said yeah the compassion give grace to yourself so if you're listening really you might want to actually listen again because there's so many nuggets in in this interview and especially uh, the encouragement that you're sending you're such a beautiful heart and um mm -hmm. thank you for sharing from your life because this is um this is what makes it meaningful as opposed to, hey, I've learned this in the book um, and you yes. coming here and sharing this is it's just so impactful. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Rana, for, for all that you're doing. Um, and you've taken your personal story and turned it into a journey uh, as well to help everyone 
everyone else who's probably, you know, we all struggle with this. So, so thank you for your ministry and for all that you do um, as well. And thank you for having me. Thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll connect and uh, who knows, maybe you'll come back. Uh, I look forward to it yes. anytime. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much, Dr. Roxanne, for being here today. What a rich encounter. And I loved all the wisdom that you're sharing. And it's so beautiful to hear from your own personal experience and how that brought forth the fruits in, in all in, in the ministry and everything that you're sharing and teaching and how you're helping your clients and patients. Thank you so much. And if you're listening to this, there's so many renewal nuggets. I hope you are able to take in just even just a few, or if you want to come back and re and, and re-listen, I encourage you to do that. And with that, thank you for all you do in the world, for giving, for having a mission in this world, a ministry, or maybe you're at a point where you're not quite sure what to do. Maybe you're in transition with that. Rest assured, the wisdom will come. As Dr. Roxanne said, we are from her dad. I love that image. We're on the journey. I'm walking on the mountain and it's not over until it's over. So no matter where you are in your season, I want you to be encouraged and continue to regenerate and renew. And with that, I have hope you have a wonderful week and I say goodbye for now.